0: Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Eric Roselli. I'm the Chief of Adult Cardiac Surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic and the Surgical Director of the Aorta Center.
1: And I'm Juan Umania. I'm... uh associate staff at cleveland clinic main campus and chair of cardiothoracic surgery at cleveland clinic florida
0: one well, you and i talk about heart surgery all the time so this is kind of pretty easy for us i think today
1: what we do yeah
0: it's what we do the focus today is to talk about aortic valve disease and kind of in our current practice we've seen some changes over the last really couple of decades with the advent of taver i think it's shifted the. Focus of the kind of patients that we see, even more towards more complex surgery and some of the things we do. Can you comment on that a little bit? Yeah
1: Absolutely, I totally agree with you. I think we're seeing less and less patients with blocked aortic valves, with aortic stenosis, and we've shifted our focus to uh, aortic uh, insufficiency, really, aortic uh, regurgitation, and, and we're seeing. I'm sure, you agree? We're seeing more and more patients with bicuspid aortic valves, right? Which previously, for some reason, yeah. we we hadn't been concentrating on, and uh, despite the fact that we're talking about 1% to 2% of the population having... That's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. 1% yeah. to 2% of the, yeah. of the population of the U.S. having aortic valves. It's a lot of patients and a lot of people who, who can have a potential complication or, or evolution of their, of their disease to uh, require surgery. So I think we're, we're seeing more of those patients, not only for replacement of the valve, but more importantly, for repair. Yeah. which is, you know, this is, again, something you and I talk about all the time. We have to focus on, on trying to reconstruct and repair as many valves as we can. I think that is the one thing that's going to make a difference for patients in terms of survival, in terms of quality of life, right?
0: Yeah. I think, you know, the population is younger, right? The that's population right. with this disease is younger. And one of the things I talk about is... You know, we call it bicuspid valve. Like you either have a bicuspid or a tricuspid, and and that's it. But it's a lot more complex than just this dichotomy of two different sort of valves. We probably call it the wrong thing by just calling it bicuspid valve and putting it all in a bucket. Really, it's it's miraculous how an aortic valve forms. You know, it all happens in the first trimester, and all these things come together: your ventricle, your aorta, the. The subendocardial cushions; all these things are supposed to coalesce and make this this beautiful, symmetric structure. Yes. And yet, what we see is in around two percent of the population, it doesn't quite form right, and they're left with a somewhere in the spectrum of bicuspidness. Right. 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 And not then,
1: not quite three, three leaflets, but but somewhere around two. Sometimes two perfect leaflets. Yeah. Uh, other times, not so perfect. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and it's that balance that. Uh, of the of the leaflets that we want to try and reconstruct right that's right
1: and, and and that's the reason why why studying these patients and and getting the right information before the surgery is so important why we need to get a good quality echocardiogram to make sure that we understand what the valve looks like and 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 how it's failing if it's failing at all together with a cat scan which which then will tell us if there's something else associated with it because Oftentimes, bicuspid valves have a deficiency in collagen, which leads to dilatation of the aorta, either the root, right as it comes off of the heart, where the coronaries come out, or beyond that, in the tubular portion or the central portion of the ascending aorta, and even the arch. Yeah. So, so that all conditions what we need to do and 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 how extensive the surgery needs to be, in order to make it more durable. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. You look at some of the data that says maybe 35% of patients or something like that have this aortopathy or this aneurysm, or propensity to develop an aneurysm. But I was just looking at one of the papers we wrote a few years ago, years ago about patients with unicuspid aortic valve, 60% of them had aneurysms. So I, I think That's it's a lot, it's, yeah. it's probably underappreciated. And as we have understood more over the last really couple of decades, you know, Toby Cosgrove started doing valve repairs in the nineties around here. So we have a lot of experience, but as we've learned more and more about the details of how all that complex anatomy interacts and then developed skills and, and techniques to repair these valves, I think we've gained a better appreciation for how all those structures work together. So let's say we have a patient who has, uh, a bicuspid valve and severe regurgitation or leaking of that aortic valve, and they're, I don't know, maybe 50 years old. What kind of operation are you thinking about, as, and, and what sort of discussion are you having with that patient?
1: I think the first thing is getting all the information and the adequate studies, as we just said. If it's a bicuspid aortic valve, again, two perfect leaflets, one of which maybe prolapses, and that's what's causing that, that severe regurgitation. That those are valves that are actually, you know, there are surgeons who say those those valves were made to be repaired, mm-hmm. right? And and I think we're getting better at it. We have a tremendous experience with that here. And the conversation I would have with that patient is the first thing we need to do is evaluate that valve intraoperatively because the the, the last word is always dependent on what we actually see in the operating room. Wouldn't yeah. you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 once we do that, then we have to take into account several things. One is how dilated the actual aortic annulus is, and if we have to do something to it.
0: And the annulus is that space where the ventricle and the aorta come together, where the valve sits. Exactly where they join,
1: yeah, exactly where they join. And and if that is dilated, we have to address it. We have to fix it and, and, and do an annuloplasty, which means we have to decrease it in size so that the valve can work properly inside that junction between the aorta and the ventricle. Then there's the leaflets. We have to make sure that the leaflets don't have any calcium. That if they prolapse or one of the two prolapses, we're going to need to probably plicate them to make them come up and come together in the right place. And then, of course, there's the dilatation of the aorta or the roots. And uh, when the root is dilated, then our preference, and you know, we uh, again, this is something that that we've discussed and and have come to to understand that when the root is greater than four centimeters. 4.5 centimeters, it's probably best to just replace the roots and, and take that valve and reimplant it within a new aorta, which we use a Dacron tube for, right?
0: Yeah, those grafts are uh, very durable.
1: Those grafts are extremely durable, and that we know is an operation that has a very low risk of mortality, great results long term. Patients feel well, patients don't need blood thinners. Instead of having uh, a, a valve that's replaced with a durability that probably you know, in a 50-year-old is gonna be what 10, 15 years. Yeah. By replacing it, we're we're extending that probably more beyond 15 to 20. And then there are other possibilities open for that patient.
0: I'm glad you mentioned the the point about making the interoperative assessment. You know, again, knowing the history of valve repair around here, there was a time when, you know, we would get really aggressive about cleaning up valves and things like that. And you know, what I'll often tell a patient is, I can repair any valve. The question is, should I? Yeah. Right? And so exactly. I think the quality of the tissue really makes a big difference. And so sometimes we get lucky on an imaging study. You see a little bit of calcium on there. And when you get in there, it's really only one little spot and a whole bunch of really healthy tissue. And you can still right. repair it. Right. But, but I think that's you know, something that we, we guess around with our imaging. And we can kind of estimate what the chances of repair are. But ultimately that decision is made intraoperatively uh, about how how healthy the tissue is that we're working with.
1: Yeah, we're, we're about what, 95% right? When, when we assess that valve before the operation with all the imaging we do, would you say that we, yeah, we're right we're, about 90% of the time, 95% of the time? Well, if
0: it's clean looking at all the imaging points towards a, a repairable valve, I, I can feel confident to tell someone, you know, 95% chance I'm going to repair it. Yeah. However, sometimes I'll see something on an imaging study and I'll say, you know, this one, I'm suspicious of something I'm seeing on the imaging. And, you know, I might tell a patient, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80% chance to repair, depending on how severe some of those little subtle changes are. So the imaging is fantastic. And, you know, with with the modern computing software tools even us surgeons can review all those images yeah. really well yeah you know
1: yeah. really
0: really yeah. helps us yeah. so so when we do the repair though and and again we're still kind of focusing on a discussion i think around bicuspid valves it's still a bicuspid valve isn't it that we that we leave in those yes. patients
1: yes and that's that's always a question you know that's that's always a question that comes up when you're sitting with a patient in the family regarding what to do with that valve but we know that bicuspid valves when they fail because of stenosis, because of calcium and degeneration, we see those patients in the sixth or seventh decade of life. Yeah. So we know those valves can last. Yeah. Uh, so And we're not repairing stenotic valves. We're repairing valves that are insufficient. So although this is a fairly new operation, I'm sure you would agree, it's something that we've been doing probably consistently since the late 90s, early 2000s, the follow-up is not that extensive just yet. So yeah. But 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 what we've seen is that durability of a well-repaired bicuspid aortic valve is probably 96% at 10 years. Probably goes down to about 85% at 20. That's pretty uh, good. That's pretty good. That's pretty great. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it used to be just kind of a focus on the leaflets, and now we've learned. To appreciate the things like you mentioned the annulus and all the aortic structure right. and we have a lower threshold to do a valve sparing root replacement as part of the reconstruction right
1: as, as we get better and, and more yeah. efficient at it and
0: i think that's proven more durable it's interesting i replaced a valve on a gentleman it was a bicuspid valve that was stenotic yeah but yeah. his valve he was on the spectrum of bicuspidness yeah that was a very symmetric valve you know when it formed in him he got lucky that's the kind of the kind of thing we want to achieve when we're creating a repair is right. symmetry. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast.